Welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson. Don't forget you can find the show on iTunes and Spotify. And don't forget to follow the social media handle at JTime Sports. I repeat at JTime Sports for all of your sporting needs. Like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast on wherever the podcast is found. Now, in this week's episode, we'll be talking about the NBA Finals as we finally have gotten there. We'll be touching on the NFL and my season predictions. And we will have our best for last. Now, I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. Welcome back into the show. Or should I say welcome into the show? This is our first segment. Welcome into the Justin Time Sports Podcast, weekly podcast on all things sports, um, mainly American based. Obviously, uh, you know, congratulations to the, the organization that won the Europe League Championship in soccer. Uh, we're going to keep our eye on the NHL playoffs as they are ramping up as well. They are nearing the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, and of course, we'll touch on that when they get to the Stanley Cup Finals. Obviously, speaking of the finals, the NBA finals are now set. We will have the Boston Celtics versus the Golden State Warriors. For the Golden State Warriors, it is their sixth trip in eight seasons. For the Boston Celtics, it is their first trip since the 2010 NBA finals where they fell to Kobe Bryant in seven. Kobe Bryant and the Lakers in seven. Uh, For the Golden State Warriors, I believe it is their 11th or 12th. Uh, NBA Finals appearance, or sorry, my apologies, there's ninth or 10th NBA Finals appearance in their history, um, and as for the Boston Celtics, it is their 22nd NBA Finals appearance in their history. Uh, these teams have matched up before in the, in the NBA Finals, it, but then the best players on each team was Bill Russell for the Celtics and Will Chamberlain for the Warriors. But now, we are going to talk about how we got here. Now, we covered the Golden State Warriors and Dallas Mavericks uh, last week and how we got there. Uh, Mavericks, I mean, the Warriors ultimately finished it off. The Warriors did finish last time we talked. The Warriors finished it off in five, which is what we predicted. And Boston finished it off in seven, which is also what we predicted. And then we spoke about those things, those ways team can win. And those ways team can win. Well, remember what we spoke about last week and I, and I mentioned that Boston can have a game where they beat you with defense. That was last night. Uh, Jimmy Butler played every minute of the game, every second of the game, never came out. Um, partly due to Tyler Heroes is not being available. He was he was there, but he just he wasn't himself. Um, and they needed Jimmy to pull a miracle out of his head. He went, he he pulled a full pull. Um, great game back and forth. It looked like it's gonna be a blowout early. Then Miami storms back, then Boston pushes out again, then Miami storms back. At no point did Miami feel really in control of the ball game. Um, and added to ultimately show late down the stretch. Jason Tatum ascended. Jason Tatum's a superstar. I don't throw the reverse superstar around lightly. Um, and we're definitely going to talk about that um, in a couple of minutes after we talk about. I mean, we can talk about this. We can talk about in this little part of the segment. Um, I don't throw the word superstar around lightly. And I was talking to a few of my friends last night um, who have their own pod, the, the Now Is That podcast. Uh, follow that, subscribe to that, all that good stuff. Um, I was talking to those guys of the, of the NIT podcast, and they wanted to say, Jim Butler's superstar, Jim Butler's superstar. And I'm like, no, he's not. And then they would say, well, well Paul George must not be a superstar. He's not. And then they threw, um, oh, I can't think of the guy's name they threw out. 
But I was like, he's not either. The list of superstars to me in the NBA is very simple. And Nick Wright had a popular club superstar that was a um, 12 person group. And he was saying, oh, maybe we gotta move Chris Paul out and give uh, Tatum his seat. But then, you know, he says, room 12. So, you know, one in, one out policy. Um, and I don't think it's 12. To me, I have a very um, simple list. Like I said, it's not 12. To me, it's not 12 at all. Um, the the list I have in no particular order, I have Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, Kawhi Leonard, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, and Damian Lillard. That's my list. That is my list of superstars in the NBA. Now, the person that you could point to if you want to say, well, Jimmy Butler's got a better resume than Dame Lillard. Yeah, you're right. But Dame Lillard's in my in my superstar club. Now, I say Dame, Dame is a debatable one. That's the one I would kind of look at and be like, mm, if you want to make a case of how is Dame in and Jimmy's not. Um, Dame is a better, much better regular season, regular season performer. Now, Jimmy Butler does have a playoff Jimmy mode, but... He's a 21-point-per-game score in the NBA. He's never really an all-NBA candidate. He's never an MVP candidate. Um, he's he's an all-star consistently, but so is Dame. Uh, Dame made the top 75 all-NBA players in NBA history. Um, Jimmy Butler did not, wasn't even in consideration. So there's different levels to Dame and Jimmy Butler. Now, again, if you want to make the case, look what, we, look at what Jimmy Butler's done in his, in his career. Two Eastern Conference Finals. One NBA Finals appearance, no championships, unfortunately. And Damian Lillard's got, what, one Western Conference Finals appearance? Um, West is tougher than East, for one. Two, he's battling through for All-NBAs and All-Stars, a much tougher thing at the guard out West than the forward in the East. Um, so, in my opinion, Damian Lillard is in that club, is in that, I was going to say club superstar, but in that superstar realm, and Jimmy Butler's not. Um, and I told them immediately after the game, after Jimmy Butler took the shot that people are going to question from here to Timbuktu. There's two shots that people are going to talk about as long as people talk about this series. That was Max Struess' three being overturned. The Celtics, the Celtics ultimately win by four, as everybody's pointing out. But add three to the, to the Heat, right? Subtract two from the Celtics. So really, Jimmy Butler should have been up one when he got that rebound and pulled that three. And maybe he attacks Al Horford's chest trying to get to the rim. Or maybe he's even down one. Who knows? But instead of being down two, he's down one. So now the decision to get to the rim is a lot easier. Um, and then, of course, Jimmy Butler pulling the three that we were, t- we were just talking about, shooting it over at Horford, uh, missing, and ultimately decided to get the rebound, hit two free throws, ice the game. But I immediately texted them, man, if only Miami had a superstar. Because that's what, he, that's what hit my head. Damn. If only Miami had a superstar. I like Jim Butler. I like Jim Butler as a player. Seems like a good dude. Seems like the kind of guy I would love to have on a foxhole next to me. Just seems like the kind of leader you'd want on a team. Not a superstar. Superstars make that shot. And when he when he let it go, that when he let it go, I said, oh, big time shot. Because it's kind of like you gotta have some cojones to even attempt that shot. And he he front of he hits out the front of the rim misses now people now for those who are questioning the shot i say great decision make a miss great decision for multiple reasons first reason number one 
Jimmy Butler had not left that basketball game. I'm sure in the back of his mind, he's thinking in this. Because he's thinking if you go to OT, I have to play 53 straight minutes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I have to play 53 straight minutes in this now. Like, just, just end it now. Number two, Boston was deeper than Miami. Um, just from the Jimmy Butler point, Boston's deeper than Miami. So if you go to an overtime, maybe Boston rotates in a Peyton Pritchard. Maybe Boston rotates in a Grant Williams, etc. Miami would have had to roll with a five, pretty much. Gabe Vincent, Jimmy, Bam. Uh, maybe you throw Duncan on the floor. Pretty much PJ Tucker. Like that was pretty much your five. Um, Max Struess. Uh, if Duncan doesn't play Max Struess, that was pretty much your five. Boston was deeper than Miami. Number three. And somebody showed the video. Remember the Kawhi shot her around the world? The hit five times on the rim and falls and ultimately gets the charges to the finals. In which case, Golden State has what DeMarcus Cousins called the Hunger Games. People bodies fall left and right. Toronto win the championship. The play before that, Jimmy Butler gets a rebound off a missed free throw, drives down the lane, makes the two, and ties the game. And then Kawhi comes down the court, hit the shot, or shot her around the world. Now, you're probably thinking, well, Justin. Even if he tied the game, the shot would have won the game. I agree. But it's a different pressure knowing I can't lose on a shot than make or miss lose. Like, knowing in your brain, regardless if I make this or not, we can't lose. At least not right now. We can't lose off this shot. If it's 98-98, friends, I don't know what the score was. Oh, it was a, it would have been 110-106. If it's 106-106 or 108-108. I know for a fact, if I'm Boston, I'm shooting the last shot because worst come to worst, I go to overtime. That's a different pressure than it's 109, 108. I'm still shooting the last shot, but worst comes to worst, I'm watching the NBA Finals. That's a different level of pressure. Um, and so, you know, all those things working. Miami doesn't call a timeout. Um, sometimes team calls out, right? Everybody happens, timeout. Miami doesn't call a timeout. It was a fairly open look. Jimmy Butler was feeling it. I, I, I can't blame Jimmy Butler for attempting to take that shot. Hell of a shot. He wasn't blocked. He didn't airball it. He didn't, you know, glass it exclusively. Like, he let it go. It looked good come out of his hand. It hit the front of the rim. It happens. Um, not a superstar, though, but it happens uh, to Jimmy Butler. Now we're going to shift to the NBA Finals. They begin Thursday night. They begin in Oracle. Um, kind of interesting. I think maybe Golden State has more wins than Boston. I'm not sure, but I don't know how. Uh, I think that is the case. I, I, if I remember correctly, the one, two, and the three seeds out west had more wins than the one seed in the east. So okay, but boss, uh, it, they go to Chase Center. I'm about to say Oracle Chase Center in San Francisco. Game one NBA Finals Thursday night. Uh, right now, the Golden State Warriors are the betting favorite. Not surprising, home court advantage. They're the dynasty. They win again. They've got four chips on eight years and six finals appearances. Um, and the only two times they didn't win it in those six tries. LeBron James was the greatest basketball player to ever dribble for about a week and a half. And, um, well, about a week. And the Hunger Games finals where Cousins gets hurt, KD gets hurt, Clay gets hurt. It was literally just Steph at a certain point uh, running around trying to beat the Warriors. So, I'm trying to beat the Raptors, rather. So, you get into this series, and we're going we're gonna to do our test. 
We're gonna do the how many ways can someone beat you test. We're gonna start off with the Golden State Warriors. Steph wins you a game. The Snipers win you a game. Clay wins you a game. Wiggins has shown the ability, Tony Dallas, to win you a game. They snipe for you on defense and you don't score. That's five ways. Flip to Boston. Tatum wins you a game. Brown wins you a game. The shooters snipe you. The defense stifles you. Grant Williams has shown the win you a game. So a role player game. I got five. This is a very evenly matched series. Five different ways Golden State can beat you. Five different ways the Boston Celtics can beat you. And that's what you want in the NBA Finals. You don't want a situation where it's like, man, let's go to 07. LeBron has to beat you four times because LeBron has to beat you three times and the shooters win you one. Kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was almost impossible. Um, you look at it, the Hunger Games Finals with the Warriors, where it's just Steph. I repeat, it's just Steph. Like Steph has to win you. I think when they started really, really falling, it was like 2-2 or something like that. Or it was going to game four. Steph has to win you three games by himself or two games by himself. And then the shooters come in and win you the third game. You're asking for too much. Having so much versatility on both sides is huge. More ways people can win. I look at the Boston Celtics. I told y'all. I told y'all. I told family. I told a lot of people. Whoever won the Milwaukee Bucks Boston Celtics series is going to win the NBA title. I'm standing by that. I've got the Boston Celtics winning in six games. You know, if I had to pick a game-by-game situation, game one goes to Golden State, game two goes to Boston, game three goes to Boston, game four goes to Golden State, game five goes to Boston, game six goes to Boston. Um, and then Jason Tatum is, a, is your NBA Finals MVP. That That's pretty much, and the Boston Celtics raise another banner. Um, 18, I believe. Breaking the top of the Lakers and taking over for the most in um, in history. That is how I have that series going. Boston in six. Um, because let's break it down. The best player on the floor is Steph Curry. The second best player on the floor is Jason Tatum. The third best player on the floor is Jalen Brown. The fourth best player on the floor is Draymond Green. The fifth best player on the floor right now to me is Marcus Smart. As well as Robert Williams. The sixth best player on the floor to me is Marcus Smart. Then you get to Klay Thompson. Then you get to Jordan Poole. Oh, I'm sorry. Andrew Wiggins over Thompson. Then Thompson. Then Poole. Then Al Horford's probably better than Poole and Thompson right now. Um, yeah, Horford is better than Poole and Thompson right now. So, you, if you, I mean, it's very evenly matched. Coaching is what and what. I just think that ultimately the way the Boston Celtics can match up to do whatever the Golden State Warriors want to do is going to be the decided advantage. Um, because Boston can play big. They can go Horford, Williams, Williams, Tatum, Smart. You know, I've seen that lineup before. Or they've done Tatum, Brown, both Williams, and Horford. You know, Grant and, Grant and Robert. Like, that's a massive lineup and five defenders. You know, they're, they're, I mean, Horford's probably your best switch matchup, but even Horford can play perimeter defense. Maybe not on Steph Curry, but pretty much everybody else he can guard. You know, or you want to go little. Warriors going to line up with death you. Draymond, Poole, Wiggins, Steph, Clay. The subjects can answer with Smart, Brown, Tatum, Robert Williams, Grant Williams. And, you know what I'm saying? And, they, and they've answered your lineup of death with, again, five players that can play defense. And you have three capable shooters, four capable shooters. Rob Williams, I don't know why I don't really want shooting threes. Oh, you want to play fast? Boston showed you against Miami. We can run. Oh, you want to slow it down? Okay, Boston could just beat you. Like, to me, 
Boston can't play every way Golden State wants to play. Golden State can't play in a game that they play, I even play. Where if 985, Golden State's gonna get destroyed. Because they can't play enough defense. You can't keep asking Curry and Poole and at this point in his career, Clay. Um then Gary Payton 2 is supposed to make his return for game one, but you can't keep asking those guys to play great lockdown physical defense over and over and over again. Especially if the ref's going to let them play, that Boston team's going to get physical. Draymond Green's big advantage is I'm usually faster and more agile than the big I'm going against. Similar to Bam Adebayo. Ask Bam Adebayo by Robert Williams. Robert Williams now gets to go to Draymond. Um, you know, you see what Brian and Tatum getting to on defense. They tortured KD. They gave, you know, Jimmy Butler had hell for two or three games in this series. Poor Drew Holiday was in the penitentiary. They couldn't do anything with Giannis, but Golden State don't have Giannis. Um, so I, I got the Boston Celtics in six. Uh, Ime Yudoko becomes the first rookie head coach to ever win the title, I believe. Um, first year head coaching in general uh, to win the NBA title. Uh, Jason Tatum gets his first final MVP. Who knows, he may get more than one. I'm going to say first. And he jumps to that Boston Celtics lore. Uh, finally, repeats on the Celtics. Um, it's going to be an absolutely hellacious series. I have no doubt about that. I'm very excited for this. Like I said, we may end up doing a mini episode before the series. I doubt it, though. Um, but humongous. I do mean humongous series. Uh, again, I've got the Boston Celtics winning the NBA championship in six games. Winning it in front of their home crowd, which would be uh, spectacular for them. And uh, the in other news, the Los Angeles Lakers have hired their head coach. They have hired Milwaukee Bucks assistant Darvin Ham, uh, becoming uh, officially making the NBA have all half the league's minority coaches, I believe I saw, um, including the NBA Finals. Ime Adoko, whose wife is Neil Long, shout out him. Um, shout out the couple, really. Two great people, two great people in their profession. Um, he is African American, obviously. Steve Kerr is not. So then you bring in guys like think about the think about the hit coaches lately. Willie Green, an African American. Obviously Doc Rivers is there a long time. You have Ime Adoko for the Boston Celtics. Uh, just to name a couple. Uh, Mike Brown gets hired for the Sacramento Kings. Um, and then just to name a couple of the young African American coaches. Well, Mike Brown not necessarily young, but young African American coaches that are in the NBA. Darvin Ham played against LeBron. They have a photo of Darvin Ham in 04 playing against LeBron. Um, so it's going to be very cool to see. Darvin Ham's got a great dunk record in his past. Pretty good player. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo spoke ravenly to Adrian Wojnarowski about, you know, Darvin's the perfect guy to lead the team. And Coach Ham, you know, um, he's going to go over there and do great things. We look at LeBron. He immediately tweeted, congrats, Coach D. Ham. Um, it, so it's just a lot of positives going on in Lakerland uh, right now. And New Orleans Pelicans forward Zion Williamson was officially cleared by the team for all basketball-related activity with no restrictions. Now, like Stephen A. said, it's May. <laughs> it's May. It's May and the team not in the playoffs. It's May. Who cares? Show me. Tell me in October he can play. That's five months from now. Tell me in October he's fully cleared, no restrictions. He can play 40 minutes a night if you want him to. You know, that is when you're going to get excited about New Orleans and the words of Stephen A., um, healthy Zion Williamson, the Pelicans are a top four seed in the West and fighting for a title. I'm just being honest. They were technically the number eight seed without him. We see Jim McCullum, they'll be they would have been a top five seed based on their win percentage. You drop in Zion Williamson, they're a top four seed. 
barring health, and you're looking at a, a title contender. So, uh, very interesting situation out there in New Orleans. Um, so keep our, keep your eye on the Pelicans. But up next, we're going to shoot to the NFL and talk about my season predictions. Welcome back into the show, and now we're going to jump into our NFL segment. Now, if you guys listened to the show last week, which I'm sure you did, I teased this last week. I said I have, that's pretty for two weeks, I have taken my time, I have done every single game, win, loss in the entire NFL, the whole regular season, all 32 teams, all 18 weeks, um, I have done every single game. Um, and not just, you know, people be like, oh, man, I think your team's going to win 10 games. Or look at the team individual schedule, do it, and then the numbers don't match up. No, I, if, if, a, if a team got a win, I went to that team, uh, opposite team, put a loss. So that that way, you know, it was every single game was done. Um, you guys know I have my system for doing win-loss records. For instance, I always split your division. It doesn't matter if you're the worst team in the league or you're the best team in the league. I always split division. It's just, it's just too hard to predict the division game. So, as I always do three and three, everybody in the division is going to have three and three. And then you go from there. Um, so, I did every single game. And we are going to just discuss some people's win loss records. So, for instance, I'm not sure what they are in Vegas right now. Um, in the NFC West, I've got the Cardinals with eight, the Rams with nine, the 49ers with 14, and the Seahawks with four. That 49ers being 14 jumped out to me. Because again, I'm not tracking the number while I'm doing the wins. I'm just doing the games. And because they're so far down the list, <laughs> in terms of like an order of operations, I-, I would get to a team and be like, okay, we'll go ahead and mark on San Fran's record real quick. Yeah, and they 14 games. Um, the NFC South, Falcons with five, Saints with nine, Panthers with seven, Bucks with 10. The NFC East, Cowboys with 10, Philly with 8, Giants with 7, Commanders with 9, the NFC North, Packers with 9, Vikings with 7, Bears with 6, Lions with 9, the AFC West, Chiefs with 11, Broncos with 11, Chargers with 10, Raiders with 9, the AFC South, Jaguars with 5, Titans with 7, Colts with 6, Texans with 5, the AFC East, Patriots with 12, Dolphins with 7, Jets with 4, Bills with 12, and lastly, in the AFC North, the Black Air Force Division, Steelers with eight, Browns with nine, Bengals with 10, Ravens with nine. And so if you take those numbers and you go into the seeding for the AFC, you have the number one seed Bills, number two seed Chiefs, number three seed Bengals, number four seed Titans as the winner of the AFC South. And then number five seed Patriots, number six seed Broncos, number seven seed Chargers. And in the NFC, you have the one-seeded 49ers, the two-seeded Cowboys, the three-seeded Bucks, the four-seeded Packers, the five-seeded Rams, the six-seeded Saints, and the seven-seeded Washington Commanders. Now, you know, I I looked at this and I said, wow, this would be a very interesting playoffs. Um, a lot of good teams. Like I said, one bad division, the AFC South. I just, I just don't see the talent there. Um, you look at the NFC West. 
you know, they got a 14-win team in it and a four-win team in it. Um, a lot of numbers are pretty close together, which is what the NFL wants. The AFC West, the best division in football, which it pretty much is at this point with the Seahawks being down. Um, the AFC West, the best division in pro football. But in the first round, of course, the Bills would have the bye, and the Chiefs would defeat the Chargers. The Bengals would defeat the Broncos, and the Patriots would defeat the Titans in the AFC. And then in the NFC, the 49ers would have the bye. I have the Commanders beating the Cowboys, the Buccaneers beating the Saints, and the Rams beating the Packers. To go to the AFC Championship game, flip back to the other side, of course. I have the Buffalo Bills beating the New England Patriots again. And I have the Chiefs this time flipping the script and beating the Bengals. And then to go to the AFC Championship game. So that'd be the Buffalo Bills versus the Kansas City Chiefs, which was the amazing game they had last playoffs. We get it again. This time when it goes to the Super Bowl. And in the NFC, I have the 49ers defeating the Commanders and then the Bucks beating the Rams. So we get 49ers versus Bucks in the NFC title game. Uh, winner goes to the Super Bowl. Now, this is the part where it gets interesting. For the AFC, I have the Buffalo Bills winning that game. Um, I have the Buffalo Bills winning, advancing to the Super Bowl, and they would face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, because I just don't think the 49ers have enough firepower. I don't think the Chiefs have enough defense. The Buffalo Bills are a very talented football team. They had a running problem. They drafted a running game. They had an edge rushing problem. They drafted. They go and sign Von Miller. You still have Josh Allen. You get him another weapon. Um, you go and you pay a little money on the defense. You get Trey White back from injury. So the Buffalo Bills are in a good position in order to make something happen um, in the AFC. And if you flip that to the NFC, you have the San Francisco 49ers losing to the Tampa Buccaneers. Not enough firepower in San Fran. Um, the Bucs just have too much. Way too much um, firepower. You've got Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, uh, Pending Gronk. You got OJ Howard. You have um, Leonard Fournette. You have Ronald Jones. No, Ronald Jones is no longer there. You have Leonard Fournette. You have, uh, what's his name? I can't think of uh, They got another running back. But you have him. Um, so that defense, that defense, there's too much going on, which would set up a Buffalo Bills, Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl, uh, which honestly I cannot pick right now. My head is told me quickly the Buffalo Bills, but then part of me is like, you never bet against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Uh, the Bills could potentially be snake bitten in the Super Bowls. Uh, the Bucks tend to win the ones they get to, so I'm gonna go with Tampa Bay. Uh, 31-27 in the Super Bowl as my Super Bowl champion. Tom Brady collects his eighth Super Bowl ring um, and presumably at that point rising to the sunset. Now, he kind of pulled the okey-doke last, uh, this offseason by retiring for, what, six weeks? Um, and so I would have him winning, him and, him and his Bucks winning 31-27 in the Super Bowl, which I believe is in Vegas, I want to say. But 31-27, Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a Super Bowl MVP, Chris Godwin. Um, but shifting away from that, which, by the way, I spent way too much time on. Like I said, over the course of two weeks, picking the games, charting it out, getting it together. Uh, spent way too much time on that. <laughs> um, 
This is one of those things that I just I, I dove into it. I said I was gonna do it, and I ended up doing it. Um, so pretty cool experience to do to really get like a true win loss record. Um, that was pretty dope. Um, but in sad news, uh, again this podcast this podcast comes out on tomorrow. I'm recording it Monday afternoon and come out Tuesday morning. Um, so the short story will be everywhere. Uh, former TCU standout corner and former Vikings first round pick, um, Arizona Cardinals cornerback Jeff Gladney. Uh, was involved in a car accident, I guess it would be Sunday night, I was going to say yesterday, but Sunday night, uh, early Monday morning, it was overnight, per his agent, um, and passed away. Um, Gladney was 25 years old, uh, he becomes the second NFL player um, to pass away this offseason from uh, vehicular-related deaths, um, both around the same age, I believe Hask- Dwayne Haskins, of course, the other guy I'm talking about. Dwayne Haskins was 24, 25, um, and Gladney was 25. So two guys right around the same draft class, um, right around the same age. Hell, right around my age. I just turned 25 three weeks ago. Um, and I see two young guys living out their dream, a dream I had as a child. Both passed away from vehicular-related deaths um, way before their times, obviously is uh pretty jarring it's one of those like snap back to reality moments um and in our, in our country as a whole has had a lot of that recently but to focus just on sports um those two guys uh two good guys for what i've i mean from everything that's been reported about them prior to this of course um Dwayne haskins is one of those guys that be the video of him at ohio state who was like nine or something like that saying i'm gonna i'm gonna go to college here and then doing it we had a number seven red jersey on, and number seven, and Dwayne Haskins wore seven at Ohio State ten years later. Um, and of course, Jeff Gladney getting his second chance in the NFL didn't work out in Minnesota. The first round pick was going to go to Arizona, known for rehabbing careers and um, images. They kind of got their day wild on the right track. Out of the time, Matthew come out of LSU was there. Patrick Peterson was there. They've had a pretty good history with DBs. Buda Baker's there currently. He's had a pretty good history with DBs. Some, I think Malcolm Butler went there. Robert Alford went there. So they have a, no, Butler went to Tennessee. But Robert Alford went there. Um, they have a pretty good history with rehabbing cornerback careers and images in general. Um, and he was not in need of an image revival, but it was definitely a good thing for him to land somewhere like a, like a Arizona, which is good for that situation, unfortunately. He was involved in a car accident. I believe it's in the Dallas area. Um, involved in an accident. Uh, so prayers to his family. Prayers to both his organizations, his former teammates, his friends. Um, and during this trying time, losing such a young man um, in such a tragic way. But up next, we are going to shift to the best flag, which would be the retirement ceremony of Minnesota Lynx great Simone Augustus. Show 
and we are into our best for last segment which is going to be a talk about WNBA legend Louisiana State University legend Louisiana legend and Baton Rouge legend Simone Augustus um the greatest female player to ever come out of Baton Rouge I would petition her because I don't know about that's on my head as the greatest female player to ever come out of say Louisiana uh definitely the best female player to ever come out of LSU um her number is now officially retired by the only team, well, not by the only team she'll play for, but she played for the Sparks for a couple of years. Her main team, the Minnesota Lynx, uh, Simone Augustus, they retired her number 33 with her family and friends in attendance, close moments of former teammates. Um, and what, and what struck about, what stuck, sticks out about her career is that I remember her retirement video. Somebody said, man, that's a Louisiana kid doing those crossovers. That's not a New York kid or a Chicago kid. That's a Louisiana kid. That's specifically a South Louisiana kid. That's a Baton Rouge kid. Um, and not even, like I said, not even a New Orleans kid. That's a Baton Rouge kid in Simone Augusta, straight out of Capitol High, um, which is five minutes from the governor's mansion. Um, you know, straight out of Capitol High, goes to LSU. She's on a cover of Sports Illustrated at one point. They, they, I mean, they wear the t-shirts. Like I said, she goes to LSU, tears it up at LSU, gets to a Final Four or two, I believe. Um, then goes to the Minnesota Lynx. Three, four championships later, her and Maya Moore, Lindsay Whalen, Sylvia Files, uh, form this amazing group in Minnesota. They stack titles. She stacked points. And they were saying how unselfish she was. They were saying she could have scored pretty much whenever she wanted to, but she knew that in order for them to win, she couldn't play that way. Uh, she had to play inside of a system, play inside of a team. Her coach, Sherry, talked about someone was probably the most unselfish person because Instead of being this 25-point-per-game killer, this 20, 25-point-per-game killer, she was a 16, 17, 13, 14-point-per-game who also played in this system. Um, they are like, she could have easily been the best scorer ever. She could have had the most points easily if she wanted to, but she was willing to fit into a system to play with teammates around her in order to win championships. Um, like I said, for me personally, being from Baton Rouge, uh, being from South Louisiana, hearing about Simone, man, it was like, man, Simone used to go to open runs with the boys and kill them to the point of like people would see like, oh man, who's this girl? The people didn't know her. Who's this girl on the court? And guys who knew her would go, I'm, you can guard her, <laughs> and and she would just destroy them. Um, that double, that double crossover, pull up shot. Cheryl Reeve, who was our coach for a long time said that she had she was the best person in league history and making difficult shots look easy i mean she would do a pull up over people fadeaways double cross whatever you needed for her how whoever get her the ball and coach we've also said she's one of the few players in the league and she's ever coached she's ever been around you didn't care about the spot you didn't care if it was in the post the left side of the floor the right side of the floor the wing the corner the elbow the three it didn't matter all simone needed was the ball and she had it from there um, and so that was pretty dope. Like I said, her number 33 is immortalized forever with the Minnesota Lynx. Um, she's getting a statue outside of LSU. So she's really getting her flowers, uh, especially while she's alive. Things happen every day. Um, and so she's getting to live her legend. She's getting to live in LSU lore forever. She's getting to live in Minnesota Lynx lore forever. A WNB lore forever. Uh, obviously, Capital High, Baton Rouge, South Louisiana lore forever. Simone Augustus is there. Um, and so, congratulations to her. Kudos to her family. And she said she uh, made a joke to start her thing. She said, 
Her dad always told her every time an athlete grabs the mic, the first thing they say is, hey, mom. So he said, I'm saying, hey, dad. And, you know, the crowd had a good chuckle with that one. Um, so absolutely amazing person. She's done great charity work um, and an amazing basketball player representing the state, uh, her city, her school, her team, her league well. Um, so, again, Simone Augustus, number 33, retired for the Minnesota Lynx. Along with Lindsey Whalens is up there. Her 13, Maya Moore is either up there or will be up there very soon. Her 23. And Sylvia Files, 34, I'm assuming will go into the Raptors very quickly upon her retirement. But that is all we have for today. Uh, one of our shorter, if not our shortest, full quote-unquote full-length show. Uh, we will be talking about the NBA Finals, of course, next week. We will be talking about the NHL playoffs, of course, next week. If anything NFL goes down, that'll be on the show as well. Uh, so definitely keep you guys intrigued on that. We're going to talk incorporating baseball into the show. So definitely keep uh, your eyes open. Keep your ears open as the Justin Time Sports Podcast is signing out for this week. And, of course, this is your host, Justin Jackson, and I am indeed signing out. <laughs>